Hello and welcome back to Rebound with Resilience, a podcast dedicated to raise your resilience, mindset and mental wellness. On this episode, we have come to a very nice place, uh, Caregivers Alliance, you know, right here, it's really uh, warm. Okay, I have with me uh, two guests, we're going to chat about a very underemphasized but crucial topic around mental health, that's caregiving. Right, so I just want to say hello to them first. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, before before I intro y'all, I think I'll just say hello. Yeah. Yes. How are you doing? Good. good, good. Yeah, happy post CNY. <laughs> yeah, we're very celebrating on the holidays, right? Yeah, yes. it's, good. it's a good break, la. But um, sorry to turn the topic so grave uh, suddenly, right? But, oh, but I guess for caregivers, even this period may not be a time mm-hmm. of celebration, right? Because they yeah. have to do relatives, and then you might ask questions yeah. about. Yeah their kid and then their mm-hmm. kid is also very nervous anxious when visiting other people yeah right so i think that that kind of um is an intro mm-hmm. to what the challenges of caregiving which we'll talk about um i was getting introduction of your first okay. proper before we start okay can so so esther is one of the four co-founders of prepare to care it is a communication campaign by wikimedia students targeted at caregiving right helping caregivers especially for youth between 7 to 19 years old right equipping them giving them the inspiration and the practical tools to help and Vina, she's a professional counselor and psychoeducator with 13 years of experience working with people with mental health and addiction issues uh, she has a degree in psych- psychology a master's degree in counseling and she's been working at caregivers alliance as the program Outreach and program manager for children and youth. Yeah. Right? And you provide yeah. psychoeducation, emotional yes. support for them. That's right. Yeah. Um, and also work with various schools as well. Yeah, that's true. Okay, good. I hope I get I got an intro. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, okay, let's begin. I think today is, is a very simple outline. You know, I think we're just gonna discuss um caregiving in general, defining mm-hmm. what caregiving because people think caregiving is not sure exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Um, talk about a problem a little bit and also yeah. some solutions. Uh, uh, a bit of prelude, right? I'm very uh, passionate and, and about this topic. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm grateful to be hosting you because people come to me all the time, mm-hmm. right? especially some of them parents mm-hmm. and it really, really breaks my heart to see them yeah. um, helpless. Mm-hmm. Right? And from the tone that they are approaching me, you can really tell that they're in a state of they require help, they want support. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's not always easy. La. So I just hope that this podcast um, can give people a bit of light, la. a bit of hope at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, okay? for sure. Yeah. So, um, okay, let, let's begin. Let's define first what caregiving means. Uh. Who's considered a caregiver and what is caregiving? Okay, um, I just want to set the scene whereby caregiving, actually anyone can be a caregiver. I think uh, someone famous defined it that you can either be a caregiver or a caregiver-to-be as well in the future context as well. Mm. It's just a matter of time when you might actually have to start to care for someone, whether it's they have a physical or a mental health condition in this case that we're talking about. So for us at Cal, we really see caregiving as someone who is actually giving that emotional support, being present, uh, you know, they're listening, they're trying to really be there for the individual. Uh, so it's also sometimes accompanying them for appointments, actually mm. making sure that they're doing all right in managing their day-to-day lives as well. Okay. Um, is that always the immediate family? Or can it be? 
Um, like so for myself, I work a lot with young people as well in institutes of higher learning. So it can be friends as well. Um, but usually we say family is usually the first sort of uh, circle of support. But of course, friends can be also a very strong motivating factor as well. And they can also wrap around the person who's going through challenges. Mm, okay. Esther, do you have anything to add? I think what Pina said was very true. I think um, in my own experience, having friends around and having that peer support is a very important pillar um, mm-hmm. when it comes to caregiving. And yeah, I think um, for me, the main definition in a sense of a caregiver is someone who would um, provide emotional support and really empathize and listen to the loved ones and any if they have any like challenges, any um, Ch- um, problems that they face. I think mm. that is really a very important aspect of caregiving. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not just just the function of closeness, but also emotion. Not physical closeness, but also emotional yeah. closeness. Yeah, definitely yeah. emotional support. Like what Esther emphasized, the empathy is actually a very key element of caregiving. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a good definition. I think we can go into like challenges. Uh, okay. Like challenges of yeah. caregiving. So again. From research, personal experience, right? Let me start with you, Vina. Yeah. What are, are challenges that caregivers face? Uh, one big challenge caregivers face is stigma. There's still a lot of stigma about mental health, especially for young people. So I think especially in a very competitive Singapore society that we live in, people don't really want to talk about uh, their child having a meltdown or a mental health uh, challenge because they're just worried about how they might be judged and also how they might be perceived by the rest of society as maybe being um, personality-wise weaker or stuff like that because there's a lot of misconceptions about Mm. mental health still. Yeah, so that's one of the key challenges. Um, They're also worried because sometimes the child may need to take a break from the usual, you know, Singapore trajectory of like, you know, having to go through uh, from JC to uni to work and all these sort of things. So something they may just need a time out. So I think sometimes they don't realise that, hey, it's perfectly normal. Yeah, exactly, right? They don't get years like 10 years. Exactly. So so I think people have to normalise that it's okay to take a break Mm. sometime. And you need to also know that there's no reflection on you as a person as well. That's a very important thing. Mm. What about you? Maybe uh, from mm. broadly, from articles or research, and maybe Cal has yeah. come. I would say uh, some of the other challenges that caregivers have also faced is that uh, they are also taking on a lot of it on themselves. They're not really having much of a support circle. So burnout is actually a reality for caregivers as well. So we actually try to wrap around them and provide them more skill sets and knowledge about how they can reach out to other people. So at Cal, we're really about a community as well. So when we say that we journey with you, it's really throughout it's not mm-hmm. just a, a one-time class or a series of sessions, but it's really a journey for the rest of your life with your loved one as well as the condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I hand over to you, Esther, right, just a brief sharing. Also, when I was going through my own struggles after mm-hmm. Asia, yeah. it's exactly what you talked about, right? Yeah. The fear of taking a break. Like To me, deferring yeah. my illness, I'm, I'm being left behind, even a couple of months, which is ridiculous yeah. in hindsight, right? But yeah. We're just so conditioned to be relentless in our chase that even a short break yeah. to them is like, oh no, my life it's over. Yeah, it's, yeah I guess we'll deep dive into that a little bit later mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, but also to add that my parents, while they're caring for me during that moment, mm-hmm. 
it was difficult for them as well. Even they had support from each other. Mm. Then yeah. maybe from from higher power, from the faith. But yeah. you know, I, I I would think that if let's say there is a community behind them, that would be, yeah. that would have been uh, easier. So yeah, it definitely yeah. would have helped. Yeah. Uh, okay, I need with you, Esther. Uh, I know your the campaign. This I know I didn't really elaborate much on prepare to care earlier, but you know their campaign has done really good work. I've seen the videos that you have created. And probably you have done a lot of primary primary research. Yeah. Primary or secondary, you know, my primary. Primary. primary primary research. Yeah. Primary research into <coughs> it. So I would love to hear like what the methodology is and what are some of the things that you have noticed. Uh. <coughs> so for our primary research, we actually interviewed um experts from CAL. We also um interviewed the psychologists, um clinicians from um IMH, and we also actually interviewed a few caregivers. Mm. So I'll just be sharing a bit about what the caregivers shared. So I think apart from the stigma that um, Vina elaborated on just now, um, one thing that I sort of a recurring challenge that I felt kept on popping up was a lot of caregivers felt like they were in a way neglecting their other responsibilities and their other roles that they had in their life because they were they were so focused on this caregiving role, which is mm-hmm. not wrong. But I think something that um, the caregivers have shared that I felt really resonated with me is that they felt like they were neglecting their other children as well mm. because they felt like they were focusing so much of their care on the loved one who was suffering from a mental um, mental illness. Mm. And I think this really resonated with me because my sister has been um, diagnosed with depression for about 10 years. And when I was a teenager, like, I really felt a bit resentful towards mm. my own mom because mm. I felt like... Um, she cared so much for yeah. my sister, but she, in a way, neglected me. I felt like she, um, she didn't really love me the same way, and she didn't love me as much. But then, um, recently, we started to talk about whatever happened over the past ten years, and she mm. just shared that it doesn't mean that she loved us differently. She, we just, we just had to have different kinds of love, I guess, mm. because of, because of this situation. And when I heard about the caregiver sharing about how they felt like they were neglecting their role as a mother for their other children. I felt like, yeah, this is this is a problem that the, some of the caregivers do face. And I feel like what um, we also hope to like tell these caregivers um, who we will be reaching out to in this campaign is that they are not like, they're not any less of like a parent or they're not, I guess, failures. And it, it's mm-hmm. not like they failed any like expectations when they took on this caregiver role. It's just that yeah, they really do have to juggle all these responsibilities and all these other roles. And yeah, that's very, really admirable yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I incredible respect for, yeah. for them. Mm, sure. I think recently there's a news about a father that, uh, you know, yeah. took, took the lives of his kids. Yes. And yeah, there's also a discussion about special needs. And of course, yeah. never ever to justify what he did. Yes. But it does highlight the challenge and the emotional burden yeah. of constantly having to care for someone yeah um a lot of focus is on people with mental health conditions rightly so Mm -hmm. but in the ecosystem of recovery Mm -hmm. a huge factor is the person providing the support and a lot of times their needs are also neglected and by extension like esther mentioned the needs of their other ones they need to they need to care for I, I think like what Esther said is so poignant. It actually reflects like how we at Cal look at them as hidden heroes. Mm. Uh, they carry a lot of burdens uh, on themselves, but they don't actually take time to actually care for themselves. 
And like you said, they ignore all their other roles as well. Um, that they that they are still an individual, they're still a mother, they're still a daughter, a friend, and so on. So they need to actually take time out to actually recharge themselves and renew themselves regularly so that then they can actually be able to support others that actually need their support as well, not just the loved one with the mental health condition. Yeah. Okay. Are there certain words that in your experiences, right? People caregivers use a lot when they're describing their experiences to you, right? Whether is it judgment, helpless. I know you did a video of mm. a lady, I can't remember her name. Mm, Cheryl. Cheryl, right? Yeah. I connected with her. She's a very nice lady. Yeah. She honestly shared her experiences. Yeah. Uh, she used certain... Yeah, but in general, is there... Oh yeah, I'll link, I'll link the video for you all to check out. I think yeah. it, was, it was a very meaning short, meaningful short feature. Mm. Um, but going back to this, right? Yeah, are there any... Themes um, or essence or words. One key word, which is I always call it like a dirty word that yeah. people, that caregivers don't want to talk about is resentment, which okay. is what Esther just pointed oh. out earlier on okay. as well. Because sometimes when they're just so focused on other people and uh, especially their loved one who needs them, um, they actually are kind of self-sacrificing. So mm. there is that resentment that can build up for them. So I always tell caregivers it's very normal to actually have such an emotion and don't feel bad about mm. it because they have a lot of guilt right. as well about having such emotions in the first place, which I'm sure you might have gone through. So it's also knowing that uh, it's okay to feel helpless as well. It's okay to feel guilty. Um, and it's okay to still have fun. You know, I think a lot of time they think, oh, I need to be uh, all-suffering and I need to take this on. I can't have fun. I can't do things that I enjoy anymore. But that's not true at all. Okay. Let me write it down and I'll discuss that a little bit. I, yeah. I feel that uh, being a devil's advocate is going to be hard to have fun when someone is struggling right, so close yeah. to you. I, I, that's I'm true. sure you mentioned that for a reason. I think we discussed yes. it a bit. But, yeah. but Esther, do you have anything to add? Mm-hmm. Any other words that you yeah. notice? I think another word, uh, more like another feeling that um, I feel like the caregivers have highlighted is fear. Mm-hmm. And it's more like fear that their loved ones would never recover. Yeah. Because the recovery journey is really not linear. And sometimes yeah. even when their loved one has sort of been, I don't really want to use the word okay, but I guess mm-hmm. more meant like emotionally stable for a longer period of time when yeah. their relapses happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's very hard on both the loved one and the caregiver. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like they've gone back to square one, mm-hmm. which is really not the case because I do feel like, yeah, there have been some improvements, but I think um, some caregivers have highlighted, yeah, they are fearful about, um, it's very morbid to say, but they are fearful sure. about what yeah. would happen after the caregivers yeah, yeah. have like, passed away like how yeah. would their loved ones like cope mm. yeah. afterwards yeah. it is the same yeah. with special needs right yeah. it's, it's yes. on their mind all the time yeah. and mm. with mental health conditions it's also no different because there's an element of their life is in an element of danger yeah. when they say things I want to take my life or it, yes. it's very triggering yes. you know, and they're always wondering like or always on edge like oh being careful about where he is mm. what he's yeah. doing and everything yeah, yeah that's okay. true yeah let, let's talk about uh Okay, actually, no, I want to explore this a little bit deeper because anyone who's listening, I just hope you all can really connect, relate to this, get more awareness about this. Yeah. Um, media, briefly talk about the media. It seems yeah. to me that there's not much coverage, in-depth coverage about this topic. Do you feel that this is the case? Um, or am I being a bit too... I think media, yeah, definitely there's not as much in-depth coverage. Uh, I think sometimes there's a lot of sensationalization yeah. of things that happen uh, to people in different situations. So um, I guess that's how media operates to catch your attention and stuff like that. But sometimes I feel then 
the victim is the person who has the condition because mm. they're actually stereotyped in a certain way mm. and it's usually quite a negative stereotype of them you know being violent or yeah. being um, unstable and not trustworthy and things like that so I think this is something that media could actually try and portray things in a more neutral manner a more balanced way of actually people uh, being portrayed and I also personally feel like as a person in recovery myself that it's something that people need to understand that uh, not all people who have a mental health condition are necessarily all those things they are functioning and they're able to do things as what regular people do yeah um well, but also on that, that definitely is, is uh, part of it. But what about the caregiving element of it? Mm. Is there any yeah. coverage on that? Um, nowadays, I think uh, thankfully with uh, organisations like myself and, and other caregiving organisations out there uh, working closely with the media, uh, there's been more positive coverage about the plight of what caregivers go through. But of course, um, more can be done and more sort of emphasis and sort of uh, incentives and benefits can be actually provided, I think, by the government or other sort of services as well, so that caregivers are actually taken care of uh, in a better capacity as well. Yeah. 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 Is there anything, anything on this as mm-hmm. well? Um, you're looking through the media stuff. I think um, based on what we've um, researched, most of the media coverage, yes, there are a lot of um, organisations out there, like more than in the past, that... Um, sort of like cover caregivers and I guess mention caregivers but even so it's mostly caregivers of mm. patients with dementia and Alzheimer's yeah. not so much about patients of um, children and youth who are suffering from mental health mm. issues and yeah. if we also talk about research in fact the f- if I'm not wrong the first nationwide survey on caregivers of um, patients who are suffering from mental health um, Illnesses. It's actually it was only done late twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So for the first nationwide yeah. survey to only be done yeah, about a year okay. ago, that's a bit. It's, yeah, it, it, it really does show that I guess yeah. this is an area that needs to be like highlighted more. It's a really yes. an underemphasized area. And also, um, the gap there is is connection, right? Because a lot mm-hmm. of coverage is just on yeah. the on the surface. It's just telling you, okay, this is the reality, and then this might be a point form of what you need to do, especially yeah. for short form article in main, mainstream media yeah. so it's not there's no punch there's no emotional yeah there's no in-depth exploration mm. of the emotional world of what the caregiver yeah. goes through so um, I think that's why it's important that media uh, actually does pick up more of these sort of stories and explores more in-depth mm. like what yeah. Esther mentioned as well well actually give me an idea I mean I am in touch with some some reporters um, mm. who are passionate about this topic maybe I'll propose the idea to them Mm. We can do a cover yeah. series of caregivers. Yes, yes. Yeah, that'll be that'll be that'll be good. Yeah. But till then, I guess we have this this podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For the work that you are doing, yeah. so I really appreciate it. Uh, okay, I, I think one last question before we move into solutions uh, mm-hmm. is, what are some symptoms or things uh, that signs that a caregiver could be needing help? That they need help or they're burning out. Because yeah. I find that some of them are, it's almost in denial that I don't need any mm. help with this. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think you already pointed out one key sign, which is denial. Sure. If they are definitely in denial and they feel that, you know, I, I don't need help, I don't want anyone to know about this and all that, and they're very closed up and withdrawn, that's actually a clear, clear sign that they're moving towards burnout mm. because they're just taking on too much on themselves. Uh, another clear sign, I think, of burnout is when they become very silent, when they don't actually communicate 
with people around them. So they're actually carrying a lot of emotional load internally and then, you know, they're just not actually expressing, you know, all the hurt or the challenges that they're actually facing. So mm-hmm. th- that would be another sign. Okay. Um, and I would say thirdly as well is that when they start uh, sometimes getting a bit uh, restless or acting out, like, you know, maybe for little things, they, you know, yep. they get reactive, highly strong. Highly strong. Because they are on the kind of tipping point, right? They're gonna snap already because mm. it's just too much for them to take. So it comes out in different ways for them. So I would say these are some of the common signs that people can start looking out for. And also, um, a common question that I get is then, how do I tell the person that you know they need yeah. some help? So I would say it's like uh, I share your observations with the person. Don't tell them you're in burnout or you're you know doing this and it's not right. But actually just share your observations and your concern with the person and just say, you know, I'm here for you and I'm just really wanting to see how we can work around this or work through this together. Yeah. Okay. I think um, based on what I've also um, researched, I think mm-hmm. some other um, common symptoms would be more like physical symptoms as mm-hmm. well, like maybe um, sleep fluctuations, mm-hmm. weight fluctuations. I think um, yeah. caregivers may prioritise like other like caring for their ward over their own physical health, mm-hmm. which will also result in them being exhausted all the time as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think in the last twenty minutes we discuss, explore the problem a little bit. And I mm-hmm. appreciate your authentic sharing. Right, just that alone is very valuable already. Uh, but we also want to talk about solutions and what we can do, what steps they can take beyond this. Uh, so maybe Esther, start with you first. We talk about the campaign, prepare to care. Uh, I mean, the name speaks for itself, right? But why do you choose this campaign and focus? To be very honest, this wasn't our first um, topic for um, our FYP campaign. So at first, we wanted to go for um, the digitalization of hawkers because we realized that um, after the pandemic, this was a big problem for hawkers. They, they were sort of being left behind when the pandemic happened. So mm. um, that aside, so one night, our group kind of just came together and somehow this topic just came up because we realized that all of us sort of had personal um, stories in relation to this topic. And because of that, this was um, a topic that really resonated with us. And we didn't really want to do a topic that I guess was easy. Okay, when I say easy, it's also because like we mentioned earlier, there's really not much research out there about it. And that would actually make our our life a bit harder when we embarked on this campaign. But because all of us really did have the heart for it, after we shared our personal stories with one another, we realized that the caregivers are really um, a group that we wanted to impact. And this is why we chose to embark on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, why, why the target audience? You mentioned 9 to 19. Yeah. Because um, firstly, um, this is a, these are very like developmental years for, um, I guess, humans in general, which is why we real And also, um, actually, there's a very um, big number of um, youths that actually suffer from um, mental health issues. So some of the caregivers that we spoke to, some of their children were diagnosed from as early as the age of seven. So even though we feel like, okay, they are still young, they don't really maybe know what's going on. But actually, that's a very big misconception because if I'm not wrong, Vina can correct me, I think one in 10 of this target audience actually do suffer from mental health Um, Yeah, you're in the ballpark. Uh, It's actually one in seven. So it's actually more uh, prevalent than actually we realise for young people especially. Mm. I think... Yeah, I think I roughly read that somewhere uh, in an article or somewhere. But yeah, I mean, personally as well, I work with with you for almost every other day. Mm-hmm. I run a training company where I go to schools. In fact, this gen, 
I went to about close to 10 schools and it uh, it kind of hurts me to say this but in large numbers it's predictable mm. that in every class in a large number there will be people that struggle and some of them um, have considered taking their lives and some of them have act, 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 attempted before and so it might sound very morbid and, and very grave and but the reality is in a large number is predictable and it's not even a huge huge number it's only like a few thousand and it's already like that so I can imagine almost on a national scale, it is a problem. Uh, something that we, now schools are also trying to focus more on, you know. Uh, so I'm not sure if you have done research into that, into that element. Uh, maybe I still can enlighten us. If not, of course, Vina can come in, right? But since you're talking about 9 to 19 year olds, what are some of the gaps? Is the school providing that support? Is that part of the ecosystem? How do the parents come in? I'm sure you also have talked to them about school counsellors. Um, like for us, we try and work more closely with the schools these yeah. days as well in terms of coming in, providing talks or workshops on mental health. Um, I would still say it's still an underserved population because there are school counsellors, but from what I understand, there's only one school counsellor to, like you said, thousands of kids at a mm. time. So they are not really getting that that full attention on the needs being met as such. And I think the parents are not being engaged as much from my understanding of the ecosystem as well. Mm. So a lot of times the parents are just uh, told when their child is in crisis. And I think a lot can be done uh, more upfront as well to look out for the signs of them being in distress and so on so that it can be more preventative care measures in place. And perhaps me, Esther, can elaborate more if there's been any research in that area? Okay, I think um, we weren't able to research into this area because of some uh, research constraints and so yeah, so we couldn't research into this area, but I can share from yeah, you are right, there's actually only one counselor to thousands of um, students. And I noticed because this was the case when I was in school. So mm. but um even if there is a counselor in place, from what I remember, it wasn't a lot of people, because of stigma, they they really a lot of the kids didn't go to the counselor, and it, okay, it's very horrible yeah. to say. But whenever someone did, the whole class would know, and the person yeah. um, that person would sort of be made fun of when they did that, and they would be called out for being attention seeking mm-hmm. and just I guess just trying to skip class, which is really mm-hmm. bad, and this really does prevent a lot of the um the students from reaching out. Yeah. this was the case in my school last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a whole different topic altogether, right? Yeah. It's insane because I mean, if you are listening to this and you are a young, uh, I wish I can say empathize with them fully, but it's not mm-hmm. easy when you're in front of an entire class, mm-hmm. right? And that is every single day you're going there, you know, you that's what you have to face, every judgment every single day. It's not easy, but I guess the silver lining with that is now there's more awareness. I guess now you put a cause for the lack of a better term, kids are more woke in that sense and they're a bit less judgmental when it comes to such issues I would say compared to my time where uh, I'm not very proud to say as well that I was one of those people that subtly judged people who went to see their counsellors or they acted a bit funny but I now know that they are struggling last time I didn't really know I would say anecdotally what I can share is that when we run the Young Caregivers Program, I see a lot of young people who have big hearts actually, Mm. who actually are not caregivers yet themselves, but they actually just say, I want to support people. I want to understand more about what they're going through. And some of them, they come because they're actually caring for their friends. What you said, that peer support is so important. And there is really a lot of empathy and a lot of uh, wholehearted support for their friends rather than judging them like what you said so they are very bold 
how to host? I mean, I did a couple of programs as well. This gen about social empathy, holding space. And it's very heartwarming, really heartwarming to see that students are keen to learn and the response has generally been good in the open-ended feedback that they say that, um, I mean, I always, uh, I need to control myself because I always get emotional talking about this, right? Like they, they really genuinely, I can see from their heart, want to help their friends. And to have that, that's why the work that you are doing is so important because if they, if they really do have it, uh, a bit of the extra insight and extra help, you can go a long way, la, you know? Um, you can literally save a life. Yeah. yeah. You can literally save a life. Yeah. Esther, one last question for you on your campaign, right? You talk about the videos you have made a little bit. I thought it was interesting. And what are some of the responses from there? I think so far we've um, interviewed a caregiver, Cheryl, and we've also interviewed um, Ron, who is the mental health CEO. Oh, yeah, Ron. Yeah. Sorry for my outburst of excitement. Yeah. And even the cameras is <laughs> But yeah, Ron's an amazing guy. I've been yeah. on the podcast before oh. as well. Yeah, I've mm. met him once in person. Uh, he grew his channel. Uh, mental health CEO, yeah. you can check it out. He grew his channel with quite a broad audience. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, we interviewed Cheryl and I think she's really a very, very brave caregiver. So I was actually the one who interviewed her initially um, for the primary research. And I really liked um, what she shared. And she really shared very genuinely and very openly about all the struggles that she's been through and so she's actually a caregiver for quite a number of people and she's really very brave and I think um, I don't really know how to phrase it but mm. part of the reasons why I feel like she's been I guess so so not really good at caregiving but I guess she's just been very successful is that the correct one? I like caregiving. It's also because she received a lot of peer support. She really reached out um, to like, all the organizations. She reached out to um, CAL. She reached out to her, her faith organization to really just get all the support that she needed to care for everyone that mm. um, needed help. So she really shared about her story very um, genuinely and openly. And that was really amazing. And we really got quite good um, responses for that on um, IMHS Facebook page. And for Ron's video, um, Ron shared about his struggles with um, his mental um, illness. So Ron actually suffers from OCD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he shared about that and he shared about how um, he feels like a caregiver could help to support um, support like their own loved ones who are suffering from mental illnesses. Okay. Yeah. So I was very absorbed in what you were saying. So I just suddenly forgot that I'm hosting. Um, but yeah, I think it's... it's uh, it's important, especially Cheryl. I reached out to her after watching her video and I, and I thought it was interesting that she was so open to sharing. I was wondering also a bit about why, was there any trigger at the start that's, that allowed her to overcome that judgment or that barrier or was there any barrier? I feel like that insight could maybe help someone that is also in her position at this moment. Um, I think what from what Esther just shared, oh, I'm yeah, kind she of blown away. Thank you very much. Yeah, yes. so, yeah, she yeah. came in to seek help as well. Yeah, and I think that's was. really, for me, I would say it's really smart caregiving mm. because it's really reaching out to all the support systems, getting all the resources and really like, I would say arming yourself against this sort of um, battle, right? This ongoing battle with your loved one's mental health condition. So I would say um, it's really smart that she equipped herself so yeah. well and she was most willing and I think it's that willingness to seek support which is I hope what anyone out there who's hearing will be actually kind of like losing that fear or that face value that we have in our society about seeking help and it's perfectly fine to just say that you know I need help 
And the more you are equipped and you actually empower yourself in that way, the better you are able to support your loved one as well. So you're doing a, actually a service to your loved one by actually seeking help. Okay. On that, I think you answered most of the questions I was going to ask you already <laughs> about what actions they can take, right? Yeah. But in terms of concrete-wise, is there any... Where, where can they seek help? Uh, so they can definitely look for us here at Cal, Caregivers Alliance Limited. Uh, we are here, we're the only uh, agency that actually supports caregivers of loved ones with mental health conditions, uh, regardless of the age as well. Um, we, they can also seek help from other agencies that are supporting their loved ones. There are agencies such as Silver Ribbon, Singapore Association for Mental Health, Limitless and so on. And, and the list goes on. There are actually a lot of agencies mm. out there for uh, their loved ones. But for Caregivers Alliance, we're the main one. Um, and of course, if you're caring for people with dementia and so on, there are also other agencies out there that you can look out for. But I would say primarily, please do look for us and yeah. actually do come to us and we're here to support you throughout your journey, as I mentioned. Yeah, I, I genuinely, genuinely hope the, the podcast does two things, right? One is to help people feel connected and this is not something they should be ashamed of. Yeah. And the second thing uh, is, is our appeal to you is to click on the link and just drop them a call, right? It's not difficult. Like just drop them a call and ask what do they have to provide? Uh, how can they help? And I hope Vina, I mean, Vina has probably represented Kel in a very, very nice way. They're all very so, kind people. Yeah. Non-judgmental people are willing to hold space for you. Uh, and that's their role as well over here. So um, yeah, do reach out if you need. Even in my journey, um, my my parents were huge support for me. And it's only because they were open to seeking help and supported me that I'm even able to function today, I would say. Mm. Yeah. I know that apart from, of course, reaching out to Caregivers Alliance, there is something you can sign up for. If you're listening to this before 19 Feb, uh, Esther, you want to talk to us about that? Okay, so, um, so our group has actually, um, we're going to host a webinar on 19 Feb at 10am to 12pm. It's a um, webinar called Caregiving with Confidence. Mm. So this webinar would actually um, have Dr. Ong. Um, so Dr. Ong is uh, the Senior Consultant and Chief of the Department of Developmental Psychiatry at IMH. We'll also have Tim, who is um, the, the Head of um, Caregivers Executive Alliance. Executive Director. Yes. Yeah. Then we'll also have Kevin, actually. Kevin. Oh, oh. Oh, sorry, which carry you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. But yes, yes, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there. I'm just happy to be there. Yeah, so Kevin will actually um, be part of the panel as well. So we'll have Cheryl, who is the caregiver that we actually mentioned just now. Um, and also apart from that, there'll be Prashant. So we'll actually be filming another video with Prashant, who is another caregiver who is really very open of, um, to share about his, his journey as a caregiver. And I think most of the time as well, um, we kind of not really stereotype, but we also assume that genders of caregivers very often. And when we talk yeah. to the experts as well, they also mentioned that a lot of mothers feel the need to give up their jobs mm. as a caregiver. So I think hearing from Prashant, who is a male caregiver, will really be a, a different perspective sure. as well. So that would wow. be really interesting. So this event, like I mentioned earlier, it will be on 19 Feb on 10 a.m. And anyone can sign up using the bit.ly link, mm. bit.ly um, Dot oh, you link it. Okay, yeah. then that's perfect. Uh, is it recording in case people can't wake up or not? They should wake up, but oh, not yeah, live event, yeah. is it? Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll see what we can do. So do come uh, <laughs> live. Uh, I really cannot see. Maybe I'll record it on my end or something. For you, but we'll see what we can do. But do come if you're listening before 19 Feb. Um, I mean, there's so many other things to explore. So little time today. But I do hope this gives you a 
an additional knowledge uh, and also inspiration. Last question before we, we, we conclude today. Any practical steps or messages that you'd like to share with caregivers beyond just broadly seeking help? Um, I would say really care from your heart, not your head. I think a lot of time in Singapore, we've been so taught to think through our problems. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's actually coming from your heart space instead and trying to have that empathy that we've been talking a lot about that's important. And also just being very careful in how you choose your words as well. Mm. Our loved ones are sensitive at times. Uh, I do know from personal experience. Um, but just be a bit mindful about the words that we use. Try and choose them with care. Try and choose them with love when we communicate with our loved ones. And I think they will actually appreciate that quite a bit and will reciprocate accordingly. Okay. I think for me, I just want to let the caregivers know that they shouldn't blame themselves. They shouldn't spend a lot of time thinking that, okay, this is all their fault or they could be better or they could have done better. I think caregivers should um, realise that whatever has happened is really just is in the past already, like things cannot be changed. So as a caregiver in like right now, like they should really just focus more on like just caring for the loved one and listening and loving and providing support rather than just like keep on like harping mm. on the past. And I know it's much easier said than done, but I really do believe that they would they would really benefit from this as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think my own message would be two things, right? Number one is uh, take time for yourself as well. I think that would be the message for you. Uh, take time for yourself as well because in the journey of caregiving, you overused phrase, but in this context, it really does apply. Like, your cup has to be full before you can give. And if, let's say, you take it too hard on yourself, both emotionally and physically, it could be a case where you also struggle and then make it more difficult for caregiving. So just know that uh, you're doing a good job uh, and you're doing the best that you can, really. So just take time for yourself. Uh, and I think the second message is that, it, as dark as it might seem sometimes, uh, because I, I can share this from my heart, because my parents went through this for a couple of months when I was struggling with my own depression, and it completely changed to 180 degrees, and really struggled. I was calling, sometimes calling my mom at work. She was at work, and I was calling her, telling her that, oh, mom, I want to take my own life. It was really, really stressful for her emotionally. She lost a lot of weight then. So, um, but I think as a family, we just kept the faith like, somehow. Uh, hope is a small thing, but it's, it's very powerful as well. So I do hope that uh, through this podcast, through our experiences, you still gives you a little bit of that hope to cling on to in your journey. And uh, I, I believe that one day you'll look back and understand uh, why you had to go through it and also that your struggle becomes a story and a strength for someone else. Yeah, so uh, thank you all for listening, right? And for watching, if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I think with that, we come to the, to the end of this podcast. Uh, thanks again. Thanks again, y'all, for, 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 for joining me. In, and can you uh, give us a lance for sponsoring this venue? As well? <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy to have you. Thank you for having us as well. Great. Okay, I'll see you all uh, at the event. Or of course, you can subscribe to the podcast for more episodes on mental health related topics, resilience. And yeah, I have no proper ending as usual, but we'll see you next time. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.